All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's see here, me. Okay, I'm all set. Let me pray for us. Thanks, God, for gathering with us today. You promised that when two or three are gathered, you're here, and we know you are here, and I pray that you'd give us uh, wisdom and grace to see what you have for us today and ingest it. And I thank you, Lord, for these uh, amazing lessons you put in this great book. Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we started a little, uh, kind of a little theme that I'm going to continue today. I like it a lot. Uh, I'm going to add to it just a little bit. But just to review where we started, we have uh, the idea of perspective in this Hall of Faith segment. Uh, we've We've been talking about a triangle. We've got me on one corner of the triangle, man on another corner of the triangle, and God on the third corner. And we have to make a fundamental decision who we want to please in life. Do we want to please man? Do we want to please God? Last week we added another component, which is a time frame. And we used the uh, concept of a payday loan. So do we want to live a payday loan life? And I, what would the alternative be, maybe? Live for uh, long-term riches, perhaps, let's call it. Uh, so <clears throat> we said that if you have like a get paid every two weeks and, and you get paid on Friday, uh, if you go to get your payday on, on Wednesday, you're actually giving up 20% of your pay just to have it now, which is a common uh, perspective. We went into a prisoner's program, and they told us a story about helping prisoners re-enter into the workplace. And they, they helped this guy get a job, and uh, they were really excited because he made it to his first payday on Friday. And Monday morning, he didn't show up for work. So the guy that they'd placed him with, uh, the employer called the sponsors and said, hey, your guy didn't show up this morning. So they got in the car and went to see him. He opened the door and they said, you're not at work this morning. He said, I, I got paid on Friday. I got paid on Friday and I paid my rent. I, I don't understand. So this is kind of the payday loan perspective. And if you think about the Bible telling us our lives are like a wisp of vapor, in the economy of of forever, our entire lives and everyone in this room, we're somewhere between 8 o'clock Wednesday morning and payday time in our life. It's just not that long. So we looked at Noah, and Noah preached the gospel by building an ark. It was about a hundred year gap there. Maybe he built it the whole time. Whatever period of time it was, it was a long time. He built the ark. In doing so, he was preaching the gospel. He obeyed God now, looking to the future. Accordingly, he was judged by men. But he was kept alive in the judgment. And the, and the Hall of Faith gives us this picture of laying down our lives now, being willing to be judged by men so that we can be approved by God. The people in the Noah's time that were approved by men suffered the judgment of God. Last week, we talked about Abraham. And I didn't get it on the podcast, so I'm going to just talk a little bit about it extra this morning. 
Uh, in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So here you got this 70-something-year-old man. What does it say? Abram. Uh, does anybody, can anybody look at it? Does anybody remember how? 75. So Abram's 75 years old. And he's, he leaves his country. And he leaves his country because of three reasons. They are going to make a great nation. So he's 75, doesn't have any children. Is he going to see himself become a great nation in his lifetime? There's no way, right? And not only that, I mean, he doesn't even know how in the world this is going to happen. It's just him. Just him and Sarah. So, but in spite of that, he goes. Uh, He says, I'm going to make your name great. He's 75 years old. He's leaving everybody that knows him. Does that seem reasonable that in his lifetime his name's going to be great? Well, maybe, maybe in a different area, but you know, that's a that's a pretty big stretch. And in fact, his name did become great in his in his uh, time, but nearly as great as it has become over time. And you shall be a blessing to the whole earth. Um, <laughs> you know, these are pretty far out type promises. And Abram's response is, yeah, no problem, I'll go. So Abram didn't live a payday loan life. He leaves everything he knows and goes out. Because of these promises, I'll make you a great name. I'll make you a great nation. You'll be a blessing to all the earth. And there's a whole lot more in the Bible about Abraham. But he is the example of faith and living by faith, believing in the promise. It's really pretty spectacular. He leaves everything that he knows, everything he's comfortable with, and goes because of this promise. Now in the Hall of Faith, we're going to end with the greatest member of the Hall of Faith, which is Jesus. We can peek ahead to Philippians chapter 2, which the pastor's been talking about. And it fits right into this. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, me, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you see in this passage the same promises that God made to Abraham? Do you see them there? Do you see make you a great nation? Do you? Where do you see make you a great nation?
Well, if every knee bows and every tongue confesses, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? Every knee bows, every tongue confesses. What's that tell you? Huh? We're submitting to God. Uh, well, when we, we, not just we. Everybody's submitting, not to God. Who are they submitting to? Jesus. What does that mean Jesus is? If everybody's submitting to Him, what does that mean He is? King of the whole world, right? You see a nation there? I'll make you a great nation. Do you see I'll make you a great name? What's it say? All nations. But what does it say about name? A name above every name. Okay, I'll make you a great nation. Jesus is above all nations. I'll give you a great name. How about all the families of the earth being blessed? You see that here? Philippians 2. You see it? Did his death on the cross bless anybody? It blessed everybody, right? And why did he do these three things? Why did he do these things? Why did he why did why did he uh or why did he do this? Why did he why did he suffer death on the cross? According to this passage. Why did he do it? According to this passage, did he do it because he loved us? We know elsewhere that he did. Out of obedience. Okay? He, he, was, he was doing it in obedience. So you got the triangle and the, and the timeline both. He was rejected by men. He suffered the shame of men. And what he said about suffering that shame was, I don't give it any value at all. He despised the shame. And instead, he looked to God to please God. And he obeyed now. And because of that, he was elevated to have these three immense promises. And what we're going to see is, what, what, he, what Hebrews chapter 11 is doing for us, is it's telling us, I want you to have those same things. We're, we're given the same basic offer Abraham is. In Christ, we're given the same offer that Christ has to participate through him. So this is Hebrews 11, this hall of faith Let's look at it today, Hebrews chapter 11. And what we're going to do today is move on to Moses. Moses. Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. What king's command are we talking about here? You remember? Yeah, yeah, Pharaoh had, had commanded what? All the midwives, yeah, throw them, in the, throw them in the water, right? So the parents threw him in the water. He just happened to be in a boat. He's picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and is raised as a child of Pharaoh. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. 
By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as being by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, drowned. Now we could do a whole series just on this passage, but today we're just going to hit the highlights of Moses. Moses... When he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he left the privilege of being in Pharaoh's household and instead chose to side with God. Now, let's look at the contrast here of what he had as a son of Pharaoh versus what he had as God's prophet leading the children of Israel out. So as Pharaoh's son... He had several things. What do you see here? What do you see in like uh, verses 24 and 25? What do you have? The passing pleasures of sin. Okay, what else did he have? Setting the record straight from his murder. He fled because of the murder. But that may be what's uh, referred to in verse 27, not fearing the wrath of the king. It may be. I, 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 I don't think that his, his uh, killing of the Egyptian is referred to here, but I may be wrong. Oh, I think when he said, when it says here, he chose not to be associated with Pharaoh's household, but rather the children of Israel, he definitely did that when he went out and started attacking the, the, uh, the yeah, yeah, so much for secrets. But he's got, in, as a, if he had stayed in Pharaoh's house, he has two, at least three things here. He's got passing pleasures of sin. What else do you see? Treasure is in Egypt. And the third thing, of course, he has privilege. As, who is Pharaoh at this time in the world? Ruler of the world. Of the world. Yeah, this is the most powerful nation on earth. And he's in the household of the most powerful person on earth. So he's got pleasure, riches, and power. Now, we could go to Leviticus 18 if we wanted to, and we could look at what this pleasure looks like. But let me just summarize it for you. Uh, In Leviticus 18, God says, Hey, you're leaving Egypt. Don't do what you saw them do in Egypt. Don't have sex with your mother. Don't have sex with your father's wife. Don't have sex with your sister. Don't have sex with your mother's daughter or your father's daughter whether born in your house or whether born elsewhere. What's this, what is this telling you? They're looking for loopholes. Loophole. What else is it telling you about Egypt? They like sex. They like sex, and who do they have it with? Everybody. Pretty much everybody, right? Anybody that's in close proximity, they're having sex with them. And it ends with don't have sex with animals. Okay, this was a sex... Uh, what? 
uh, crazy culture. So there's plenty of passing pleasures. And if you're a Pharaoh person, what's going to be available to you? Anytime, any place, pretty much, right? So you've got power, wealth, and sex. Now, what is held up as the ultimate thing that you want to have in our culture? Those three things, right? And Moses says to all three of those things, no thanks. And he chooses something else. What does he choose in this passage instead of passing pleasures of sin, treasures in Egypt, and being part of Pharaoh's household, money, power, sex? He chooses to suffer. Yeah, I'll take suffering again. Well, what kind of suffering? Affliction. The affliction of Christ. The affliction of Jesus. The reproach of Jesus. I'll take the reproach of Jesus instead. Why? What's his reasoning? I want to look for the reward. Okay, you see our paradigm here? You got the triangle there? Okay, if you're Pharaoh, if you're a Pharaoh household, even whether people like you or not, they gotta they gotta give you adulation, right? If they if if you don't, they might end up uh, building a pyramid. Uh, and if you're in Pharaoh's household, um, you you have all these things available to you, and instead he says, "No, I want the reproach of Christ." So he's looking at God. And timeline-wise, I mean, he can have a lot of pleasure now. And he says, I'll take something that's way out in the future again because it's a lot better. So here's our same basic paradigm. So then I think we have uh, a real uh, interesting question, which is that Moses chose, instead of the passing pleasures of sin, power, etc., He said, I think I'll take the reproach of Christ. Now, is Christ around at this point in time? No, so he's not looking at Christ at this point in time in the historical sense like we do. But he chose the reproaches of Christ. Now, what is the reproach of Christ? Well, first, let me make a point. Let's look at Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18. Let's start in 17, Deuteronomy 18, verse 17. And the Lord said to me, what they've spoken is good. What they had just spoken is, we don't want to hear the voice of God uh, or see this fire anymore unless we die. This is Mount Sinai type stuff. And he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you. So this is God speaking to Moses. I will raise up for them, the nation of Israel, a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command them. Okay? So so here you've got... Um, here you've got the people coming and saying... Uh, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. So they're hearing the voice of God, and God comes and says, that's good, that's good, that's good. I'm with them all the way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to raise up somebody else like you. I'm not going to speak from heaven with fire and lightning and all that stuff. I'm going to raise somebody up like you, and they'll tell you the word. Okay, so here we have, who is that, by the way? Who did he raise up like Moses? Joshua. 
Uh, no. Um, sort of. Jesus. Yeah, this is, this is Jesus. This is a, Jesus is a parallel of Moses. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Dr. Anderson says that the book of Matthew emphasizes parallels with the book of Deuteronomy. It's kind of a, it's kind of a if you follow Deuteronomy, you can follow Matthew, and they actually lay, lay down side-by-side. Uh, uh, side. And, and part of what Matthew is trying to do in his gospel is prove the point, this is fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18. Well, and look at it. What, what did Moses do? What's, the, what's Moses most famous for? Ten Commandments, right? Giving the law. He spoke the word with authority. Did Moses say, uh, um, you know, this is what Hammurabi said, so we need to do say? Well, where did, where did Moses get his authority? Yeah, he said, I, God gave me this and I'm giving it to you, right? What was it that they were amazed at Jesus about, the people uh, with his teaching? He spoke with authority, yeah. Because the way rabbis talk is they say, um, Rabbi Rabbi KC says, and Rabbi Brandon says, and Rabbi Jonathan says, and I say. That, that was their way of teaching. And Jesus never did that. He just says, this is the way it is. And the people marvel. Well, he, he speaks like he has authority in and of himself. Uh, we're getting to know a guy who is a is a uh, is a apologist to Orthodox Jews. He grew up himself as an Orthodox Jew, and he. I, I'm actually watching this DVD that he did on this. It's really fascinating, and what he's doing in order to witness to Orthodox Jews about Jesus is he's going and taking the words of the first and second century BC uh, rabbis. And what they said about Jesus, which just lays straight down with who he is. And he says, if you go to a, um, an Orthodox Jewish person and say, let me tell you about my life, my testimony. That kind of works in our world, right? And to them, that's like, so? Who are you? Or if you tell them, look, read this Bible purse here. See, see what it says? And they're like, so? Who are you? So you've got, you got to appeal to authority. And the authority has precedent. It's almost like a, a court case, you know, where you have to have precedent of other people. That's the way the Jewish mind thinks. Well, that's the way, that's the way they thought with Jesus too. And they said, well, you teach like somebody's got authority. Well, well, that's because he was the guy who had come down from the mountain. Just like Moses did. And he's saying, let me tell you. So we got Moses, Jesus, their parallels. So I think what we can see here is that if we look at the reproaches Christ uh, suffered, I think we'll see the same thing that Moses suffered. And what Moses chose is a pattern of what Christ chose. Let's look at it. I'm going to propose that the reproaches of Christ fell into two categories. And of course, we're invited to do likewise choose the reproaches of Christ over the passing pleasures of sin. The first category I'm going to propose that the reproaches of Christ fell into is family, friends, and community. Let's look at Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. It's funny with uh, iPhones now, you don't hear pages turning. Matthew chapter 13. 
Let's look at verse 54. Um, Starting 53 here. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished. And said, where did this man get his wisdom in these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Okay, so what... Who is rejecting him here? His own town. town? And? His own house. His own family. Let's look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. They're mocking him. Then Jesus said to them, My time's not yet come, but your time's always ready. Hey, they're laughing because that's the kind of thing you'd hear in the petty household, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, sarcasm is biblical. Um, Another whole group that uh, rejected Jesus was the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the theological conservatives of the day. They were the defenders of the faith. You you know where the Pharisees came from? You know their origin? Anybody? Uh, No, no, they don't go back that far. They go back to the Maccabees. They go back to the Maccabees, which was like 160 B.C., something like that. The Maccabees um, rose up like, you know, it was like a band of people against a mighty army, basically. And they rose up against Syria because... The Syrian king, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, had decreed that uh, it was illegal to practice Jewish practices. He was going to eradicate Judaism altogether, once and for all, and install Hellenism for the whole world. And a grandfather circumcised his son, uh, was killed, and the Maccabees rose up with a little armed resistance, and God intervened. And basically, they just left them alone. Yeah, that's not worth the trouble. Went off to do something else. And um, Israel became a sovereign nation under this Maccabean uh, uh, priestly leadership uh, for about 100 years until Rome came in and took, and took uh, them over. Well, the Maccabees, uh, their, their kind of descendants, their adherents, broke into two groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees kind of 
uh, uh, compromised with the Romans and adopted Greek ways. You don't really see Jesus talk to them any. As a matter of fact, one of the top Herodians was a uh, was a, uh, um, Herod, and when Jesus brought before Herod, he won't even talk to him. But the the theological conservatives, the ones who believed the Bible, the ones who adhered to sound doctrine, these guys were the Pharisees. And Jesus talked to them all the time. Uh, And he talked to them in fairly stern tones. Um, Whose children do you talk to in stern tones? Other people's or your own? Your own, right? And he talked to the Pharisees because that's what, what, where he was from. The Pharisees was his team. The Pharisees, it was us. We, we are, when you see Pharisee, you see Midland Bible Church type people. I mean, that, that's, that's who this is. And they rejected him. Why did they reject him? He didn't fit their mold. He made life uncomfortable for them. He was betrayed by his disciples. He was betrayed or rejected by his disciples. Obviously, he was betrayed by Judas. Uh, Peter and the other ten denied him and ran away. Let's look at Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Look in verse 23. Well, let's just look at verse uh, 13 first. They came into the reason of Caesarea Philippi. And he says, who do I say I am? And then verse 16, Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, boy, you're really blessed because you know that. And then we look at uh, verse 21. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. So who's he talking to? Who's Jesus talking to? His disciples. Okay, He's talking specifically to his disciples about this. So then he comes... Uh, then comes Peter. Then Peter takes him aside. Now, why would Peter take him aside? He doesn't want to humiliate, doesn't want to humiliate him, right? Yeah. He takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. And his rebuke's this. He says, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. I think this is really one of the funniest scenes in the Bible. And then he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see the triangle here? Okay, God or man? Which one is it going to be? God or man? And this is right after he said, hey, you're really blessed because you see who I am. And of course, shortly thereafter, this same guy, Peter, denies him three times. uh, Goes out and weeps bitterly. The disciples all leave him. Uh, Judas, of course, betrays him. So... That's a pretty robust picture of, of uh, rejection, don't you think? Is that the shortest, but less than ever? <laughs> Makes sense, he says, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah, well, 
We can, we can be payday loan one minute and riches the next, can't we? Well, let's look at Moses. Look at Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Numbers 12, verse 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Do you know who Miriam and Aaron are? Brother and sister, very good. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. So his first wife is Zipporah, who's a Midianite. And I believe that that, uh, Miriam and Aaron are both Midianites. So he marries a woman from another nation and they get really ticked off about it. So what are they going to do? So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? So what are they doing here? What are they doing? They're elevating themselves. And what, what, what's their banking point? We're just as good. We're just as good. What, what are they trying to make happen here? Put Moses. Well, put Moses down. Why? What's Moses doing? Well, but I mean, what's his job? He's their leader. They're trying to take over, right? This is an everyday event. Happens in every company every day. If somebody's vulnerable, they try to take a you know try to take their spot by bumping somebody else off. Happens in politics all the time. This is this is a, a you know pretty normal thing for people to do. We're going to bump this guy off. Uh, of course, God intervenes for Moses, keeps it from happening. Poor Miriam ends up as a leper for seven days. Only seven days because Moses intervenes for. Her. Says, please don't do this to my sister. Uh, look at Exodus 32. Exodus chapter 32. And let's look in the verse, let's see, 24. Verse 24 um, this is, this is what Aaron speaking. Let's see, let me go to back 22. So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. So this is Moses comes back, sees the golden calf, is, is the scene here. Moses said to Aaron, What did you people do, and why have you brought such great a sin on them? So here's Aaron's answer. Don't let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that we shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. How long had he been gone? Forty days. Yeah, he'd been gone forty days. You know, they've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen the rock give water. They've seen all these miracles. Forty days later, they're ready to go back. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. (laughs) So, if you're Moses, what are you thinking right now about Aaron? 
Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of betrayed me, right? I, I left you in charge of the people. I'd just gone for a little while. And I come back, and they're having a sex orgy, and they're worshiping a, a golden calf. When it says they sat down to eat and rose up to play, that's a euphemism for... Well, where had they seen that before, by the way? Yeah, so here's Moses, and he had all of that he wanted, and he said, nope, I'm setting that aside. I'm going for the reproaches of Christ. He comes back, and here they are doing it. And he looks to Aaron and said, what are you doing? I... All I did is take the gold and put it in the fire. I mean, it just kind of came out. And I'm not, I mean, you know these people. They're not really. I mean, what, what could I do? So he's, he's, he's rejected by his brother and sister. He's betrayed by his right-hand man, who's Aaron. Um, there's another episode that's real interesting in Exodus. His uh, wife, Zipporah, they're coming to Egypt. He's coming with, with his uh, wife and his children and uh, it's kind of a, interesting the way it s- states it there. I'm, I'm going to fill in the gaps of what I think is going on. Um, <clears throat> I think what's happening, or the inference is, that uh, God wanted Moses to circumcise his children. They had not been circumcised. And uh, Zipporah is resisting this. And so God shows up and says, I'm gonna, if you don't circumcise your kids, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them out. And so Zipporah goes and circumcises the kids and comes and throws the foreskins down on his feet of Moses and says, Here, I hope you're happy. You're a husband of blood to me. I'm sure she said it in an even more scornful tone from the the, uh, context. And so here you got Moses. I mean, so he's been told, Hey, go and confront Pharaoh. Tell him to let the people go. And he's on the way to Egypt. Is this an easy thing or a hard thing for him to do? It's very hard, right? And he's like, well, why is he going to listen to me? I can't even talk good. Well, I'll be with you. Okay. I mean, he's got this massively difficult task in front of him. And his helper is not being very helpful. Does he turn back? Does he say, oh, okay. I can't do this without your help, honey. We'll just go back home. No, he keeps going. So we got the triangle again. I got my, I got my brother, my right-hand man that you gave me. He betrays me. I'm going to keep walking with God. Got my sister trying to overthrow me. I'm going to keep walking with God. My, my wife trying to throw me under the bus. I, I'm going to keep going. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. The reproaches of Christ. Yeah. I missed the triangle illustration. Just me on one corner, man on the other corner, God on the third corner, and I got to decide who, who am I going to try to please, and I got to have a time horizon. You know, am I, am I focusing? I got to live today, but what am I living for? Am I living for just what I can get today, or am I living for something better in the future? And the Hebrews is trying to get us to live for the future. Uh, the other. Uh, category. So we got family, friends, and so forth. The other category that we have is in the reproach of Christ is rejection by the world system. Let's look at John chapter 18. Pharaoh was the ruler of the world. And we have Moses standing before Pharaoh. In John chapter 18, we have Jesus standing before the representative of the ruler of the world which is Rome. And that's Pilate. 
So he's standing before Pilate. Then Pilate said to them, You take him, judge him according to your law, speaking to the Jews. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called the Jews and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus, called to Jesus, sorry. And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not of this world. Or not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? I looked up a quote of uh, Lenin, Vladimir, the, the Marxist Lenin, the inventor of communism, Lenin. And he said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. What is truth? To the Roman world, what was truth? Whatever they said it was. Whatever was expedient to them. Well, let's look at Exodus 5. And let's look at Moses before the mightiest power on earth. Exodus chapter 5. Verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. Who is God that I would obey Him? What is truth? Truth's what I say it is. Who's God? I'm God. The the power of the world says, we'll make the rules. Truth's what I say it is. Jesus says, I'm not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. Not yet. Let's bring it all to landing. In our own lives, let's go back to Hebrews and look at Hebrews chapter 2 and review again what we've uh, talked about many times through the Hebrews series. Jesus is a better son, with a better administration, and a better world. He's presented as in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, it says, He's not to put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him, you made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. We as people were designed to rule the world. That's what we were designed for. When God told Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. He was leaning into that for which we've been designed. For in that he put all things under subjection to him, he left nothing that's not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him. Boy, the understatement of the Bible. Right now the world just isn't very much in our control. Not that we don't try. We've even got an endeavor going on to control the world's temperature right now. 
It's futile. But here's what we do see. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. He became a man like us. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. I I left out the key phrase. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. So what we're offered, and it goes on to say, he wants to bring many sons to glory. That's his, that's his goal. What we're offered in the book of Hebrews, what we're offered in the hall of faith as an example, is to live not a payday life, but an investment life. And what God wants to give us is a great nation. And to make our name great. And to bless the whole earth through us. And how do we do that, according to the book of Hebrews? How do we do that? We obey today. And in what area do we obey? Remember Hebrews 13. Love other people. Be faithful with what God's given you. Whoever's in your sphere of influence. Work in such a way that you serve their best interest. Be hospitable. Share your stuff. Be content with what you have. Remember those who are being persecuted. Just like you were being persecuted with them. Have a great marriage. By doing those things in obedience, not as a payday thing, you know, how can I get as much pleasure today as possible? But even in the face of rejection from friends and family, even in the face of rejection from community, even when the world system comes in and tries to oppose us, we say, you know, payday's coming. I'm going to build my ark. And when the judgment comes, I'll be ready. I'm going to obey and I'm going to leave my country. And I'm going to go to where God's given me. Because I want these great rewards that are lasting, not just this passing thing. And to the extent the world offers me money, sex, power, fame, whatever it is, like I could be in the house of Pharaoh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to grasp that. I would rather have the reproaches of Christ because I want to see the reward. I don't want to please people, and I, want to, I don't want to be a slave to my own pleasures. I want to please God, and I want something that lasts. When we love others, when we really build our marriage, when we live this life of love and obedience on a current basis, what we're doing is building a name. And we're entering the promise to have our name lifted up. And how do we know that? Because Jesus has already paved the way. Have in your mind this same mind that was in Jesus. Although he had some stuff he could cling to, he said, no, I'm not going to cling to that. I'm not going to cling to my hometown. I'm not going to cling to my comfortable life. What I'm going to do is follow this path that Jesus set out for me. Now, not everybody in here is real young. Remember, Abraham was 75 when he started this path. It's never too late to start. And uh, it's never too early to begin. It's a call for all of us. In the scheme of life, it's Wednesday and payday's on Friday. We have a wisp of vapor life. And today's the day when we can be obedient and live for something that lasts. Thanks, God, for this wonderful uh, picture of Moses. Help us be like Him, Lord, to look beyond just today while living in today. 
And I pray that we will be courageous, humble, seek truth, serve you. uh, And in spite of resistance from world powers, the world system, even friends, family, community, when that comes, we'll stay true to following you and trust you that your reward is greater than anything we can get here. In Jesus' name, amen.